The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Well, I hope you didn't have Austin Gomber in your lineup on Monday. Yikes. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. The final line for the Gomber. 1.2 innings pitch, seven hits, nine earned, four walks, three strikeouts. Yuck. Don't do it. Do not trust those Rockies pitchers. Unless their name is, of course, John Gray or Herman Marquez, like we spoke about yesterday. I, I, Gomber, not so much. What's up, Chris? Where did the Gomber like optimism come from? I think he had, like, it wasn't it was like it was like a thing on fantasy baseball Twitter recently, and like I don't get it at all. I think he had two quality starts in a row. Was it just yeah, two? But he's got three. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was. Dumb. But like, it was dumb. Like he's he's obviously too many walks, not enough whiffs. Oh, like was he was going to catch up to him eventually, and it caught up to him. Three quality starts. You were right, Scott. Yeah. Oh well. Against the Dodgers and Astros. Yeah. Yeah, that was enough to buy in, but not really. Let's uh let's recap the rest of Monday's action. Oh my good goodness gracious. Chris, why don't you get us started here? Oh my goodness gracious for Monday. Yeah, let's talk about Cedric Mullins, who uh went three for four with a couple of solo home runs against your beloved New York Yankees. Boo. And he has like a nine sixty OPS right now. It's, you know, inflated by the fact that he went three for five on Sunday and then, you know, had three more hits and two home runs Monday. But I think there's something here. He has, um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit this season, but he's ditched the the whole switch hitting thing because he was basically pitcher bad against left-handed pitchers or, yeah, left-handed pitchers from the right side. And I think he's got a pretty interesting skill set now. Um you know, XBA is in the 62nd percentile. Uh, he's walking at a, an above average rate. He's pretty fast. You know, he was someone who stole 25 to 30 bases pretty regularly in the minors. So, you know, I look at Mullins and he's 66, 62% rostered on CBSSports.com leagues. I'm not sure he necessarily needs to be rostered in most three outfielder points leagues, but I think all categories leagues, I would consider Cedric Mullins uh, someone who probably needs to be rostered because I think he could hit like 280 and steal 20 to 25 bases and not be a zero in power. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think there's something there. 
Yeah, he's got a little pop. Obviously, plays in Camden Yards. And I do think even in three outfielder leagues, there are weeks where you can stream him. I think this might have been one because they had seven games. I think at least half of them were at home. So weeks like that, I mean, you're going to be able to stream Cedric Mullins even in shallower leagues, but definitely in any five outfielder leagues. And today on the podcast, by the way, should have mentioned this, we're going to play a little Would You Rather. We'll pin a few players up against each other. Um, And one of those that I had scheduled was... Cedric Mullins or Akil Badu? Would you rather hold on to Akil Badu? Or if Cedric Mullins were available, would you make that swap? Akil Badu, over his last eight games, he's four for 27. He has 25 strikeouts on the season to just two walks. Still hitting the ball pretty hard, has a great line drive rate, 32%. Uh, but it doesn't look like he's playing against left-handed pitching either. So, Scott, I'll throw this one your way. Would you rather have Cedric Mullins or Akil Badu? Well, it probably depends on whether you have to start Mullen. them or not. I, I consider Mullen's upside to be kind of like an in-his-prime Brett Gardner. I guess you would have had to play fantasy for five years or so to remember an in-his-prime Brett Gardner, but I mean, he's a useful player. Uh, the thing, like, I'd be, I'd still be pretty thrilled with Badu if he wasn't striking out so darn much. Like, that's basically the first thing I look for in the box score with him is how many times has he struck out? How, did he strike mm-hmm. out today? And it... Uh, last ten, lot. nine out of his last 10 games, he has multiple strikeouts, multiple. And that's not what he was doing in spring training. That's not what he was known for in the minor. Like plate discipline was kind of the only thing he did well in the minors. Uh, the little bit we saw of him there. So it's, I don't know what to make of that, but it's, it's obviously not a good sign. And if it continues, then it's, it's going to be hard for him to make an impact in fantasy in the long run. So, you know, if you're talking yeah, about was, just a bench play, stashing for upside, I say Badu. But if you're talking about I need to start him right now, then Mullins. What do you think, Chris? That was the the thing with Badu early on was he was showing major league caliber skills. You know, the the sprint speed, the ag- exit velocity, the mags, max exit velo, all that stuff pointed to, you know, MLB caliber skills. I was worried about the whether the approach would hold up, and clearly it has not. So... Uh, yeah, I would rather have Mullins. Yeah, I, w- I would go with Mullins there as well. Scott, your oh my goodness gracious player from Monday. So I'm going with another guy who homered twice, Reese Hoskins. And uh, he's up to five home runs in his last four days. I believe his eight home runs are leading the majors, right? For that is season. correct. Yeah, so off to a nice start. But here's the weird thing about Hoskins is... I'm to the point now where when I look at him, his line for the day in the box score, I want to see a walk more than I see a home run now because like that's definitely supposed to be his thing. Two years ago, he had 116 walks and reaching base at a 380 clip is, is kind of been the standard for Hoskins since he reached the majors. He's walked this year uh, only four times, four times compared to 31 strikeouts. So the strikeout rate is way up. The walk rate is way, way down. A home runs are great, but it's going to be difficult for him to sustain that kind of pace in in, in that category. It's it, you know he's going to have stretches where he's not homering a ton. He is hitting the ball harder, and and he is not selling out for fly balls quite as much in the past. So there's a chance if that's a permanent change to his profile that he's not you know automatically a two thirty two forty type hitter. But the strikeouts have to come down one way or another. So it's there's some good there for Hoskins, but there's some bad there. I really don't know what to make of it. 
I'm, I'm not saying he's a sell high because obviously there's a track record there, but this is the whole thing is just kind of weird. Yeah, I, I was just one of those things. Oh. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. I was wondering. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> this is hilarious. You go, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you. No, you please. Now I really don't know if I'm I not going to talk. Okay. I'm not going to talk. I'm wondering if this is ultimately a, a good thing for Reese Hoskins if he can kind of blend what he's done thus far with his past experience of having really, really good plate discipline. And he is hitting the ball harder than ever before. I know you you highlighted that, Scott. So uh, his swing rate and his chase rate are both currently career highs. So I think he's consciously trying to put the ball in play more than he ever has before. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of looking at this as like a glass half full. I, I would like to see more walks as well. But I'm just kind of wondering if, if we can see, you know, this and his previous uh, self kind of blend together and then just become it, this awesome yeah, for, version. Yeah, of if that happens, time. it's great. Sorry, Chris, yeah. go ahead. For me, it's more just like when you're swinging the bat this well and you're producing like this, in this kind of sample size, I don't really care that much about like, oh, his plate, does he swing a little more on pitches outside of the strike? Like, the results matter. And obviously, look, the the way you get those results matter, but given his long track record of being, record of being an incredibly patient uh, hitter, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that there's not really anything to be concerned about there. And he's just like, sometimes when you're locked in and you're hitting the ball as hard as he is, there, there's not that much value in waiting. You know, if, if pitchers are giving you stuff you can handle early on in the strike zone or early on in the count, you should probably hit them. Top 12 first baseman, yay or nay, Reese Hoskins. I think I have him right there. You have him 11th. Okay. I have him 12th. Chris has him. I'm 12th. moving him to 12th. There you go. I'm moving him to 12th. You do have him one spot behind Josh Bell, and Josh Bell has been dreadful, so I'm wondering... Uh, yeah, that's... Roto, I already had Josh Bell move down uh, points. I'm going to do that now. Okay, so Hoskins moving on up ahead of Josh Bell. Oh my goodness gracious, for me on Monday, Rich Hill. Where did this come from? Six innings pitched, two earned runs, 10 strikeouts, turning back the clocks. Both him and Adam Wainwright. It was crazy day. Um, 12 whiffs on 93 pitches. He threw 19% cutters on Monday. Entering the start, he was only throwing that pitch 6% of the time. So... Offering a third pitch that he hasn't really ever used all that much. He's, I mean, you can't really call it a fastball, but he throws a pitch about 89 miles per hour that they call a fastball. Uh, it's usually just that and a curve. But now he's throwing this cutter a little bit more, so I'm kind of interested. I, I He's not a must-add by any means, but I want to see where this goes from here, so I'm going to watch his next couple of starts and, and, and see what happens. But Rich Hill, 23% rostered. Anything you guys would like to add from the start? I remember I, I remember a time when 89 was a fastball. All right. So, you know. That's Jacob deGrom's changeup, buddy. Let's not be too critical. Yeah, I was... He's 41 years old now, Rich Hill. I, I kind of thought we weren't going to see a start like this from him this year, frankly. I mean, his first four starts were... He was pretty useless. Uh, and, and, you know, part of my thinking there was the Rays don't really handle any of their starters conventionally, except maybe Glass now. Now. So I'm I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. But it's nice to see he can still throw this out there on occasion. I just, I don't think it's going to be a regular thing. The next two starts for Rich Hill at home against the Houston Astros, who have just been amazing offensively. They look like they're fully back. And his second start will be at the Angels. Again, the name there, Rich Hill. Pay attention to him. 
Honorable mention to the Miami Marlins. Shout out to the Marlins, man. They heard me yesterday. I said, the best matchup in baseball. And then what they do? They went out and they beat the Brewers 8-zip in a game that Cor- Corbin Burns started. So, shout out to the Marlins. Uh, Corbin Burns is still very good, but you know he obviously was not going to maintain a 171 BABIP or a 100% strand rate all season long. Uh, finishes with... Nine strikeouts to zero walks. Surprise, surprise. He allowed five runs. Four of them were earned over five innings pitched. Four, Corbin Burns still had 20 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. Now has 49 strikeouts to zero walks on the season. Eight more strikeouts without a walk, and he'll uh, match the all-time record set by Kenley Jansen. Uh, I believe his next start comes against the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that, and, uh, that's quite the test. I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, bat Max Muncy leadoff. I saw someone suggest just so he can't get the record because Max Muncy can't stop walking right now. Yeah, I think he had five walks on Sunday. Max Muncy did, which I think, yeah, I think he's had like six in a row or something like that. Maybe more. Just hilarious. Um, Corbin Burns, I I was just wondering this. Should he just be the SP4 like across the board or has he not earned that right yet? Outside of the top three, obviously. Well, I mean, those are rest-of-season rankings, and there will come a point where they have to pull back on his innings. I think he'll be so dominant in the meantime that that's not really anything to stress over, but I would still put, like, the the major innings guys who we have no performance concerns about, like Aaron Nola and uh, uh, Max Scherzer, I don't... I know his velocity's been down, but he's been awesome, so I don't really have any concerns about him. I'd, I'd still put those guys ahead of Burns for rest of season. Yep. Yeah. And that's how I have it right now. I have Darvish ahead of him as well. Trevor Bauer, Lucas Giolito. Okay, we could talk about that one a little bit more. Uh, and then Tyler Glass now. So Corbin Burns, can I move him ahead of Glass now and Giolito? Probably. But um, <sighs> I mean, it's not like Glass now hasn't been. Yeah, he's been amazing too. Nearly as good. Yeah. So not much of a difference there. How did the Marlins score all those runs? Jesus Arepa Aguilar had two more hits. He has a 12% strikeout rate on the season, so he's just making a lot of contact. 54% rostered. We spoke about him on yesterday's podcast. Corey Dickerson, I'm not really sure why, when he kind of went through this transition of just becoming like a boring, slap-hitting <laughs> outfielder, but that's what he is now. But it works for him. He he went three for five. He hit his first home run of the season. He's batting 324 with a 285 expected BA, so it's pretty good across the board. 41% rostered. If you need batting average, sure. Doesn't need to be rostered in a three outfielder league. As you know by now, it's NFL Draft Week, and if you want insight on who your team will be picking, look no further than the Pick 6 Podcast, your audio outlet for all things NFL Draft. The Pick 6 crew has you covered with player rankings, mock drafts, and plenty of gambling props to keep you invested, even if your team isn't picking in the top five. Like mine, go Jets. Get ready for the draft by following the Pick Six podcast anywhere you find this one. Some news and notes from Monday. Twins manager Rocco Baldelli said, Chris, close your ears if that's possible. Byron Buxton was held out of the lineup Monday due to a sore knee, which is stemming from lingering patellar tendonitis. So, like this, he's been battling through it all season. Uh, obviously it's been a real issue for him. I think you really need to be concerned about the effects of this injury. Like, I don't know if Baron Buxton can't stay healthy because he has a knee injury. Oh, well, like that, that happens. His biggest issue in the past has been running into stuff. So like, 
if he gets a knee injury, oh well, that that happens. I, I like if you want to sell him because of it, go for it. I'm not giving you crap. I'm just I was just reading a a, a right. note. I'm just so, I'm from just, the day. I'm just saying. You know, it's. 96% sprint speed. I mean, yeah, I would say it probably has not affected Byron Buxton, um, but it's obviously something to note. There was a report earlier in the day that the Brewers had optimism. Christian Yelich will be able to return to game action before the week is over. And then there was a later report that he has done zero baseball activities yet. So who knows? <laughs> Max Freed on the IL with a hamstring strain through live batting practice on Monday and could be back as soon as next week. Salvador Perez was removed in the sixth inning Monday against the Tigers after jamming his thumb earlier in the game. Mike Trout, Jose Altuve, Anthony Rendon, and Gavin Lux were all back in their respective lineups on Monday. Jake Odorizzi was placed on the 10-day IL with a right pronator muscle strain. David Price was placed on the 10-day IL with a hamstring strain. Nick Margavishes was placed on the IL with left shoulder inflammation. And before I start ranting and raving about Logan Gilbert... The team has already said that LJ Newsom will likely join the rotation. Leody Tavares was optioned to the Rangers alternate training site. Odubel Herrera was recalled by the Phillies, and he started in left field on Monday. Starling Marte is still feeling discomfort in his fractured rib and remains without a timetable to return to activity. The Twins reinstated Anderson Simmons from the COVID IL. The A's reinstated Mike Fires from the 10-day IL. He'll work out of the bullpen initially. Gotta love the A's bullpen. Jake Diekman used in the eighth. Lou Trevino used in the ninth. So, hilarious. Yadier Molina was back in the lineup Monday. He was batting fifth. Mike Yastrzemski was out of the lineup on Monday with that oblique injury. Would you rather? Let's start off with Chris Bryant or Michael Conforto. Chris Bryant hit a grand slam off of Charlie Morton on Monday. It was his sixth home run of the season. Hard contact is up across the board, and he is currently the 10th best outfielder in fantasy baseball. Michael Conforto is batting 214 with a 339 slugging percentage. Chris, we'll start with you. Chris Bryant or Michael Conforto? Who would you rather have? I think Michael Conforto will be fine, but I moved Chris Bryant up to my number 12 outfielder in points. And uh, looks like he's probably going to be 14 in Roto. I think that's where he's going to be. Dang. Adding him to my outfield rankings because I realized I hadn't made that move yet. Sorry. Scott, what do you think? Chris Bryant or Michael Conforto? Who would you rather have? I would, I would rather... I, I, I agree better days are ahead for Conforto, but you'll remember I was skeptical about him repeating as like a, 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 a big asset in the batting average category this year. So I'll take Bryant... Yeah, I had reservations about Bryant coming into the season as well. Um, to the point, I really wasn't going to let myself draft him. But the bad scenario that I envisioned for Bryant did not have him with six home runs before the end of April. It had him struggling to hit six home runs all season. So uh, the fact that he's already here leads me to believe he's fine. Yeah, I moved Chris Bryant up to outfielder 19, not, not as high as uh, Chris, but admittedly Chris was wow. higher on Bryant coming into the year. Yeah. Uh, look, my biggest concern for him was can he stay healthy? And if he can, which right now he looks perfectly fine, and playing for a contract, when he's at his best, his best is probably better than Michael Conforto's best, though Michael Conforto was really damn good last year. I'm not sure he gets back to that level but I do also think better days are ahead. So Michael Conforto, I have just behind him at outfielder 21. 
I have Chris Bryant at outfielder 19, so I would take Chris Bryant there. Zach Plesak or Dustin May? Who would you rather have? Zach Plesak made another start on Monday against the Minnesota Twins. This one, I think a little bit better. Seven and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, one walk, four strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 93 pitches. Scott, was this an encouraging enough start for Zach Plesak to keep him ranked ahead of Dustin May for you? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, pitch for pitch, inning for inning, I'll take Dustin May, but I, I don't think the innings are going to be particularly close. Zach Plesak reminded us just how efficient he is in this start, going nearly eight innings on 93 pitches. He he had a seven-inning start already. He was the pitcher who most consistently went seven-plus innings last year, and um, that's just such a big advantage. Like, I'm not... I, I don't think he's totally out of the woods. The strikeouts haven't been there. I, I like that the pitch selection, you know, he's gotten back to really emphasizing his off-speed stuff the past couple starts when he was leaning pretty heavily on the fastball early on. So I take that as an encouraging sign. But I would like to see more whiffs. I would like to see more strikeouts before I'm totally confident in police act again. Chris, you probably don't need me to tell you this, but Dustin May has been ridiculous. 2.53 ERA after that start on Sunday night with a 1.67 XFIP a 2.67 expected ERA, according to StatCast, 13.5K per nine, 57% ground ball rate. The numbers are just ridiculous. So would you rather, Plesak or May? I think I moved May above Plesak after their first starts. Maybe their second starts. Yeah, I get the the innings concerns are 100% there, and you know Plesak very well may throw 40 more innings than Dustin May, but... I think I'd rather take my chances with May and someone on waivers than Plezak. I think I'm leaning that way too. I just, this was a better start for Plezak and not that the twins lineup has been great this year, uh, but he's still missing no his spots. Boxes. Yeah, that, that definitely affected the lineup, but um, he's still missing his spots within the zone. I highlighted uh, the home run that he gave up to Brent Rooker on Monday. Zach Plezak did. It's, you know, the, the catcher wants the ball down and, and he just misses middle middle. And, and that's been at least what I've watched a big issue for Zach Plesak so far this year. So he is throwing his off speed stuff more. And I, I like what I've seen uh, in terms of that. But I will take Dustin he, May over Zach Plesak. I, I, I saw that tweet of yours and it was a good observation from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take that as an encouraging sign, though. If, if he's missing his spots, Plesak, as opposed to his stuff just not playing. Like I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be a case of him missing his spots because that's correctable. You can't really get better stuff. At least that's not a, a normal thing to do. I just think it's a bit of both. Like I, I think he's the kind of pitcher who just doesn't have the kind of the the stuff where he can afford to be a little bit off. You know, I just I feel like his margin for error is going to be really really slim. He just gets hit really hard. That's because he lives in the zone. He kind of has this Shane Bieber thing going on. And a couple of years ago when Bieber first came up, I mean, the underlying numbers were really good, but he would get hit really hard because he would just live in the zone. And Plesak kind of has that going on with him right now, which is kind of ironic because they're on the same pitching staff, obviously. But he can, I think he can kind of learn a little bit from what Bieber went through and, you know, just throw some waste pitches, man. Like, even if you're less efficient, I I think it's something that can actually help Zach Plesak. So if he starts doing that, I think that he can 
maybe not get back to the level he was last year, but get back on track. And and this was a step in the right direction. But I would still take Dustin May the way that he's pitching. He's just been absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous pitchers, Trevor Rogers spoke about Corbin Burns, and he was outdueled by the Marlins man, Trevor Rogers. Six shutout, seven strikeouts to zero walks, 13 swinging strikes on 85 pitches, now has a 1.29 ERA and a 1.00 whip on the season. Would you guys rather have Trevor Rogers or Kyle Hendricks? We'll start with you, Chris. I still have Hendricks higher. I haven't really moved him down. I have Rogers at 36. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday with May and, and a couple other guys, it's hard for me to like find reasons to move guys in that range. Um, like I don't, I don't know if I re- want to move Rogers over Bundy or Lizardo or Arias or Sonny Gray. Those are the guys right ahead of him. Even though I do think he's awesome, I think he's really, really good, um, and he's certainly one of the biggest movers so far at the starting pitcher position. But I think I would still rather have Hendricks. It's kind of similar to the last one, where I think on a per inning basis, Trevor Rogers, undoubtedly, I feel confident saying undoubtedly will be better than Kyle Hendricks. Maybe that's you know it's too small of a sample size, but. I just really like what I've seen from Trevor Rogers. The problem is, what are we looking at realistically? 140, 150 yeah. innings for Trevor Rogers and Kyle Hendricks. I mean, he's one of the safer bets to get to at least 180, maybe even more than that. So it's kind of a per inning versus volume kind of discussion. So Scott, where are you at? Who would you rather have, Trevor Rogers or Kyle Hendricks? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of what I was saying about Plesac and in uh, May. I I don't I I have I have hope in Rogers getting a more typical workload than May will get, but I also have fewer concerns about Hendricks just because he's had a couple of rough starts here in the early going. I mean, I have a really good yeah. idea who Hendricks is, and I haven't felt compelled to move him down based on what I've seen so far. So, yeah, I kind of agree with Chris there. Yeah, Cal Hendricks, he's been roughed up a little bit here. He's got a 5.68 ERA, 3.8 walks per nine for Hendricks. That number has never been higher than 2.6. And it's typically, I mean, the past three years, I think it's been below two walks yeah. per nine. So he, he's going to be fine. The control is, I imagine, would is going to get much better for Kyle Hendricks. Just, man, Trevor Rogers is, um, he's awesome. So He's I, electric. This is I mean, one that's, that... That's the I, only word to use for him. He's I was like... Going through my rankings, and that's how that's how I came up with this one because I'm like, I want to move Trevor Rogers up, but then I'm kind of wrestling with, okay, volume versus a, a just a better pitcher on a per inning basis, and that's kind of how we run into that. But I'm gonna leave Kyle Hendricks ranked ahead of him for now as well. Uh, the last one I wanted to mention: Jazz Chisholm or Keston Hiura? Who would you rather have? And Chisholm went two for four with a double, two steals. All of that damage came against one of the best pitchers in baseball in Corbin Burns. And on the season, he now has four homers and six steals. Kesson here, on the other hand, went one for four with three more strikeouts on Monday. He's betting 152. He has a 39% strikeout rate. Scott, who would you rather have, Jazz Chisholm or Kesson Hiura? I think it's time to take Chisholm. Chisholm is doing what we hoped Hiura would do. And we, the little bit of time we saw Hiura do it, for you know that stretch to end 2019, it wasn't long enough for him to get the benefit of the doubt this this many months later. So, yeah. uh, I I think I think maybe 
maybe her ceiling's a little higher, but it, it's been so long since he's even shown us a glimpse at it that I, I, I got to take Chisholm at this point. I'm really struggling with second base. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I've got here a seventh, which feels way too high. And then I look at the guys behind him, and like, Brandon Lowe hasn't been good. Kevin Biggio's been a disaster. Mike Moustakis is solid, but, you know, Jeff McNeil, he kind of is what he is. Marcus Simeon, Nick Matt, like, I... Ty France, you got Ty France way down there, man. I am 16th. Um in Roto, I may not have moved him up yet in points enough. Um, yeah, I, like I guess I could be talked into moving Chisholm just to seventh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not he's crazy. Got a, he's got a little bit of the Kevin Biggio probably needs to be more aggressive approach because he actually like his contact rate isn't that bad. Um, you know, in in zone it's seventy eight percent. On chase pitches, it's 50%. He's just only swinging at 56% of pitches in the strike zone, Jazz Chisholm. Uh, he does not have Keston Hira's issues making contact. Um, but he does, you know, so far at least, he's showing really, really solid, I mean, really, really strong skills on batted balls. He's got a max exit velo of 111.7 miles per hour, average of 91.2, 22.5% barrel rate. I almost think like he could cut the strikeout rate down. It might come at the expense of some walks. It might be a little bit like Yohan Moncada, where he might be better off walking a little less. Um, but I do think there's a lot of batting regression to come. I think he's probably more like a 240, 250 hitter. <sighs> I really don't know what to do with second base. I hate it. Yeah, yeah that's seven to. 15 range at second base is is tough. I agree. Yeah. Everybody after Max Muncy is just, I don't, I hate all of you. I, I, I feel like Kira has to be toward the bottom of it and Schism has to be toward the top. And yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe those names will shuffle a lot over the course of the next yeah. two months, but it's where it is right now. Shout out to Marcus Semien, who I know has a low batting average, but he's hit for a lot of power and he's stolen a few bases so far this year. Tommy Edmond has been very serviceable. He's basically doing exactly what we wanted him to. He's, Hitting for a good batting average. He's stealing a few bases here and there as well. Solak has been decent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of the, what is it? Really top five, and we're waiting for Cattell Marte to come back, and then that would be the sixth. But um, <laughs> it, it has not been a great position. We are going with the Jazz Man. How about this? Oh. <laughs> now batting like that. for the Miami Marlins. That's right. Jazz. Jazz. Chisholm. Uh, I lied. The last question I would act, uh, I want to ask you guys, would you rather, Scott, eat, uh, an, eat an arugula salad every day for a week or leave Dylan Moore in your lineup for a whole month? Oh, definitely <laughs> Dylan Moore in my lineup for a whole month. I don't have a lot of faith in Moore anymore, but at least he could probably give me some steals and whole week of arugula gosh oh gosh that's i i would take worse fates than having to start dylan moore to avoid that <laughs> i was trying to think of something really bad fantasy related i probably could come up with something worse like have austin gomber in your lineup for a whole month but <laughs> <laughs> dylan moore yeah he's yeah <laughs> dylan moore is batting 113 man you could drop him in all points leagues i think in deeper category leagues i have him in a 15 team roto i've held on to him but man it's been rough yeah I, I have him in Tout Wars, which is 15-team Roto, and I, I benched him. I benched him for um, 
ah, I can't remember the moves I make anymore. I'm getting old. Had this problem all day yesterday. Benched him for some middle infielder I just picked up who's pretty good. Is it Freddie Galvis? No. Is it, no. Is it Jose Iglesias? <laughs> no, who was it? Is it Nico <laughs> Horner? Yes. Yes. I benched him yeah, for Horner. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, Nico Horner. He was leading off for the Cubs on Monday. He went two for five with a double. Uh, Javier Baez is dealing with some hamstring tightness. So uh, they stuck Horner at shortstop and they let him lead off. So showing some confidence in the youngster there. Wheels up. Wanted to mention Zach Wheeler versus Adam Wainwright. What a game this was. I mean, if you love pitching duels, it was it was great. I was watching a lot of the start and Wheeler at the Cardinals, eight innings pitch, one run, nine strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 114 pitches. We spoke about this before the season. It, it seemed ludicrous that we are now considering Zach Wheeler a workhorse, but that's exactly what he is. I mean, a guy consistently throws over 100 pitches and... I would say he's probably one of the safer bets every time he goes out to give you at least six innings pitch. So uh, Wheeler now has had two phenomenal starts, two blah starts, and one okay start. Adam Wainwright, though, on the other hand, the guy threw a complete game. It's like between him and Rich Hill, what is happening? Uh, a complete game, nine innings. He gave up two runs, eight strikeouts to zero walks, only 12 swinging strikes on 107 pitches. But uh, over his last two, Adam Wainwright, 16 innings, three runs, 18 strikeouts. The problem is, I don't really think there's anything actionable. He's 83% rostered on CBS. So, In CBS, I have to imagine it's much lower yeah. on other sites that don't have as many points leagues. Because, you know, just, just the fact that Wainwright accumulated so many innings last year, he probably got a pretty good projection and for the points leagues especially. Do you think he's a must-add, um, Scott, on other sites? I wouldn't go as far as must-add, but, like, he, he did have a 10 start stretch. I mean, obviously all of last year, it was only 10 starts where he uh, was, was fantasy relevant again. He's done kind of that old, old guy trick of fading his fastball for more breaking balls. And, um, you know, I, I think he will be a streamer type all year. He's, I will point out he did have like a 65%, 60% hard contact rate, probably 13 on, sorry. Yeah. He'll have 13 hard, 13 hard hit balls on 23 uh, batted balls today. So probably a little bit of luck there. Not great, Bob. Uh, 57%. He's only Adam Wainer. It's only 31% roster on in Yahoo. So if you are looking for an innings eater, I think Wainwright's probably your guy. I kind of want to buy high on, I don't even know if it's buy high because he's, I mean, he's just kind of been middling, but I want to buy Sean Manaya. I really like what I've seen from him all season long. He was at the Rays on Monday, five innings pitched, one run, six strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. His ERA is down to 2.83, and entering the start, he had a 3.36 expected ERA and a 3.78 XFIT. Should you be trying to buy Sean Manaya? Because I can't imagine he's going to cost that much. And I think he's good. Yeah, he's, he's good. I don't think he's... Great. I don't think he's somebody you're just going to put in your lineup and leave him there all year. So, I, I don't know. I guess it depends how much. If you're, if you're somebody who's out there scrounging for Austin Gom- Gomber because you, your pitching's in that bad of a state, then yeah, sure. Sean Manai is somebody who maybe could do you some good. His velocity's up this year over a mile per hour. Um, he learned to navigate with less the past two years, and it was rocky at times, but overall, it was. 
decent. Uh, so, you know, I, I expect him to be better than decent this year. You but, know, it's weird. He, he's completely ditched his slider. I don't know. That seems to have happened at some point last year, but in 2019, when he, you know, had that little run at the end of the season, you know, the slider was a big part of it. Now he's not throwing it at all. It's, it's interesting. So he's, he's just sinker, change up, curveball now, basically. Yeah. yeah. Last year, he didn't throw the slider very much. And yeah, this year with the velocity up, it's, I mean, this pitch mix is working for him. You, I, it's only been five starts. I get it. But you look at his fan graphs page, it's, it's baseball savant, and everything looks like it's the best it's ever been. So if someone in your league has him and they're not really valuing him the way that I am, I'm, I'm going to move him up inside my top 60 starting pitchers at least. He'll, probably push towards the top 50, but I really like what I've seen. Speaking of trades, I made a trade in the Scott White Dynasty League. I wanted to announce it to the people, and if you guys hate it, feel free to rip me for it, because why not? Uh, I traded Julio Arias, who is a $31 player in this league, and next year he would be worth $36, for Nate Pearson, who is a $5 player right now, and next year he'll be worth $10. So what did you guys think of my trade? Well, you're not a contender, so that oh no, that needs to be stated. Uh, I think it's fine. I, I think I, it, it's hard to know the it's hard to know the economy of a league unless you're in it. So I don't know how much it means to the audience. I guess, but um, I've certainly seen people sell off non-contenders sell off useful pitchers who are going to be hard to keep for less than you sold off Nate Pearson. So um, maybe you could have done better, but you could have certainly done worse. You just really, with the way Pearson's salary is already escalating, you just you just need him to start performing right away to take advantage of those discount years. That's a nice way of Scott saying that he would not have made this deal. No, basically. that's not what I said at all. <laughs> I, I said that you could have maybe done better. No, I know, I know. Certainly done a lot worse. I texted you earlier today, and, and when I got that response, I was like, that means he hates it. Uh, let's be honest. You ask, if you're asking me to grade the trade, I give it a B minus. That's okay. You, know, that, you, you won the trade. Well, yeah, I, was, I was offering him, I was offering him around a little bit. I was trying to get a minor league player and, and someone that I could stash for now, but nobody wants to pay up. I guess I could have been more patient, but here's to hoping Nate Pearson becomes something good. I uh, do want to promote one more thing. Got to tell you about the all-new Stitcher Podcast app. It's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is your home for all your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did This Get Made, plus all the CBS shows such as Pick 6, Fantasy Football Today, and of course, Fantasy Baseball Today and FBT in 5. In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, give you a little bit of an update here on the West Coast. Chris made a call about Anthony DiScalfani. Let's see if he was right. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, 
technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today and holy moly. Oh my good goodness gracious. Anthony DiScafani. A complete game shutout. Three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. He's good. He's good. Or maybe the Rockets yeah, are like just really bad. Yeah, I was really just bad. thinking, I, I'd rather have him than Manaya. They're probably in that same range. Yeah, I have them I both say. around 70 overall. Yeah, and I, th- I think that they could probably push up a little bit more than that, but DiScafani's been really good. What do you think, Scott? Uh, yeah, he, he had 15 whiffs in this start, which is a departure from the way the first few starts had gone. Um, mostly, I just have faith in the Giants with these kind of reclamation projects. They hit big on Gosman and Smiley last year. They seem to be doing well with Sanchez and potentially would, but also Desclafani. Desclafani looks like the clearest. So, so I just kind of have faith in the pitchers they choose to pursue. Uh, over the years, Desclafani's gotten some hype off and on, even dating back to his days with the Marlins, that I never really understood. Um, but yep. obviously he's performing well now. I, I I don't think I'd go as far as to take him over Sean Manaya, but it looks pretty good. He was good in 2019. I mean, 389 ERA over 166 and two thirds innings, 167 strikeouts. Uh, you know, the peripherals weren't quite as good, but still, you know, low fours. And he's pitching a much better ballpark. You know, that he, that's he, a big he was, part of he why. was good in a Sean Manaya way in 2019. Right, right, right. But yeah, I guess Manaya hasn't thrown that many innings in a while, right? I think the ballpark is, is the biggest key here, Chris, because you know, I've highlighted it before. He had a, a, a near right near five in his career in pitching in Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, and, and he's been much better outside of there. And I think we're kind of seeing that come to fruition now. So we've talked about a few different pitchers recently as waiver wire ads, and Let's just kind of compare DiScafani versus those guys because he's 64% rostered. He might be out there in some leagues. Who would you guys rather have, DiScafani or Davey Garcia, who made his debut on Monday? Oh, DiScafani. Garcia, yeah. I believe, was optioned back down already. And boom goes the dynamite. Would you rather have DiScafani or Brady Singer? DiScafani. Yeah, after today, I'd say DiScafani. How about him versus Madison Bumgarner? DiScafani. How about John Gray? That's funny. funny. Andrew Heaney? I think I'd rather have Heaney. I agree. Yeah, that's right. I will, I will point out this start was probably as much about the Rockies as anything else. It's the first game after a long uh, homestand for them on the road, which, you know, the course hangover effect is real. It's, you know, pretty well documented at this point. Um, and, you know, that's just a really bad. <laughs> Team, I, I think 
entering today before they got three hit by Anthony DiScofani, they had the lowest weighted runs created plus of any team in baseball. Um, I don't know. They're 28th now. Look at them shooting up the ranks. They're probably going to be 30th after this game. Man, yeah. Disco funny. Uh, last one I wanted to mention versus Michael Kopech. Disco funny. Yeah. I I think I'd, I think I'd, you know, it kind of gets back to the same situation. Are you having to start him right now? Because I yeah. don't know if Kopech's yeah. somebody you're going to be able to start for several weeks. But I, I think I'd rather have Kopech if, if I could pull it off. The rest of Monday's action, Carlos Santana hit his fifth home run of the season. He, ha- he now has three in his last six games. And just like that, he has an 842 OPS. So Carlos Santana going to be just fine. Spencer Turnbull had a, squal- a quality start versus the Royals. Six innings pitched, three runs, five strikeouts to zero walks. He is 25% rostered. Any interest in Turnbull? Man, I don't... He seems... <laughs> The results have been so good these first two starts, but I just I don't believe yeah. it. Wait, who yeah. would you rather have? Both him and Rich Hill are, are rostered in less than thirty percent. Who would you rather have? Let's say you're in a deeper league. Turnbull, uh, probably Hill, just because. Like if if Turnbull regresses to the mean for him, like that's an ERA and WHIP I just don't want in my lineup. You know, it's just going to bring everything down. I feel like Brad Keller. On the other side of Turnbull in this one, six innings of two-run ball. He had 14 swinging strikes on 103 pitches. He's 38% rostered. His next two starts at the Twins and versus the White Sox. You know what's going to happen next for Brad Keller. Nate Lowe hit a three-run bomb off of Shohei Otani. He now has six home runs and 21 RBI on the season. Last week, I said I would have sold high on Nate Lowe to acquire Dominic Smith. Would you guys do the same? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Nate Lowe? I mean, he's kind of just holding steady. Got a 12% walk rate, 29% strikeout. That's that's high, obviously, but the stack cast numbers not, still look pretty good for him. Not as high as it was a week ago. And and yeah, he's basically right in line with his expected batting average and expected slug. So that's kind of what I'm viewing him as. Power first guy, maybe like a... I don't think he has quite the power of like a Matt Olson, but like a poor man's version of that, where basically the home runs are what you're getting from him and and not much else. Where's Harvey Dent? The Dark Knight was back and the Yankees stink. Matt Harvey. Batman? Yeah, that was it was not good. If if either of you would rather Where's Harvey? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a, get, like it's deep. It's a little bit better. I didn't know how deep it was going to come out. I didn't really practice it beforehand. So I was just like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go for it and whatever happens, happens. But yes, yours, mm. yours was much better. Matt Harvey. Can you hear your voice? Is it deeper or is it lower or higher than you? it sounds in your head when you hear it? I hate listening back to anything of my Everybody own. does. Yeah. There isn't a single person who's like... I, th- I think my voice is higher. I think it sounds higher than I higher than- think it is. I think that's probably true for most people. I, I read, yeah. I think I read a thing. I may not have, I may be making that up, but I think I read a thing about that. <laughs> well, I wonder if, if it particularly men want their voice, imagine their voice sounding lower. I, it's a, mine actually sounds lower than I, it sounds in my head when I listen back to it. it. It's like something about the way the sound waves travel, you know, again, mm-hmm. I think I read that. I may okay. be making it up. 
Well, what about Matt Harvey? He was going up against the Yankees, who stink, by the way. Uh, six innings of one-run ball, five strikeouts to three walks, 11 swinging strikes on 84 pitches for Matt Harvey. I was actually surprised when I looked into him. Coming into the start, 3.94 XFIP, 3.81 expected ERA, with a 51% ground ball rate. I don't think Matt Harvey is good, but those numbers are kind of respectable. He's 4% rostered. Anything to see here? No. No, <laughs> he's been worse <laughs> with higher velocity than this. So I Yeah, Sorry. like I tried. below the <laughs> below the uh, I can't remember who was Spencer Turnbull. I'd rather have Spencer Turnbull, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'd I'd even rather have Brad Keller. Ugh. That Brad Keller. Where's Rachel? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh Davy Garcia was optioned after the game, so I guess that was fun. You can drop him. Or if you're in a deeper league, you can continue to stash him. Jordan Luplo. Is there anything to see here with him? He had a walk-off home run on, on Monday. He it was the sixth home run of the season. He has started six of the last seven games for Cleveland. He's typically been a platoon bat that plays only against lefties, but he's been playing against some more righties recently. Jordan Leplow, he is 15% rostered on CBS. You swear to me. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm just, I'm ready for the emails that are going to come in tomorrow. It's, it's fine. Is that, is that a, I don't want to pick up Jordan Leplow. Is that what that was? You're insane. I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, Alex Kirilov, he only went one for four with a double, but he had three hard hit balls according to StatCast, so hopefully a sign of better days to come. Randy Arozarena, we have not talked about at all this year, so if anyone has any type of takes on Arozarena, feel free to say them now. He went three for four on Monday uh, with his second stolen base of the season. Striking out too much. Launch angles way down. Yeah, uh, I'm not counting on him for a stud outcome. It it certainly helps that he's a base dealer, uh, so I I think I think in roto leagues he's going to be somebody you just keep starting. But I don't think he's going to live up to his draft position, and uh, I know there were some people coming into the year who thought he was going to outperform it. So if he continued what he did last year, he would outperform it. But I, still, I don't see that happening. He's still crushing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just like Scott said, the launch angle is two degrees right now, which is 65% ground ball rate. That is which you can look at it one way. You can say you've banked a bunch of production that it's true. uh, You know, when he figures out the launch angle, if you want to believe that he will, then he should be even better. But you could also look at and say that his production to date has been wholly unsustainable and he may not figure it out. So I haven't really thought about moving him up or down in my rankings at all. Um, he may be a spot or two lower because I think I might have moved like Trent Grisham and Byron Buxton ahead of him. Uh, but I don't think he's like dropped at all. Corey Seager just went deep off of uh, Amir Garrett. How do you feel? Wow. Oh, I feel. Do you like who's who's who do you like more in the seventh I, I, inning? I, I'm. I'm I'm yeah, rude. I hope uh, at this point I'm more invested in Sims and Doolittle than uh, Sims Garrett, pitched in so. the sixth. Who yeah. was going to close out this game for the Reds? Well, nobody now. But I, <laughs> well, assuming they take the lead in the top of the eighth, top of the ninth, maybe, maybe Doolittle. I mean, who else would it be? 
But they had the lead, so they were kind of pitching like they were trying to hold mm-hmm. on to the lead, and they had a plan for who they were going to use in the ninth inning, and it and clearly was not Lucas Sims or Amir Garrett. Because I mean, Sims, Lucas Sims had four strikeouts in one and two-thirds innings, which is awesome. He was very uh, good. He must have come in to face, like, Luke Rayleigh? Is that his name? Yeah, Luke Rayleigh. Because uh, the way, yeah, he got pulled after five batters. That's like that sounds like Mookie Betts. That sounds like just a last name, Luke Rayleigh. <laughs> like a, hy- yeah, a hyphenated one. Yeah, Lucas Sims. Yeah. yeah, he came in against Gavin Lux, faced the bottom of the order. Uh, so yeah, that not exactly like a we need him to come in and stop this. So I'm not sure uh, what's going on with Cincinnati there. Oh, some people in the comments are suggesting Anton. <gasps> yeah. TJ Anton. My it man. would be. It would have been probably him or Doolittle, I would imagine, right? Well, yeah, yeah Doolittle's I mean, gotten uh, roughed up a couple times lately. Man. It seems like they've they've kind of wanted TJ Anton quasi stretched out so he could you know be ready yeah. to jump into the rotation at any moment. Mm-hmm. So it'd be it would definitely be a reversal to put him in a closer role, but he'd probably be a good closer. So we'll see. Man, that would have. Um... That would have been awesome. The call to the pen. Let's talk about whatever else happened on Monday regarding some bullpen situations. The Royals, Scott Barlow was used in the seventh. Greg Holland in the eighth. Josh Stallmont in the ninth. Stallmont has the last two saves for the Royals. He is 19% rostered. Would you drop Holland for Stallmont? Yeah. Yeah, he's got the last two saves. And remember last night, he was warming when Wade Davis gave up a walk with a four-run lead. So he would have come in for a safe situation had that been the case. I do think he's their most talented reliever. So the cream has risen to the top here. Ooh, one of my favorite Macho Man Randy Savage promos of all time. The cream always rises to the top. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. For the Twins, Taylor Rogers he pitched in the ninth inning in a tie game. Alex Colome pitched in the tenth in a tie game. And then it wasn't tied anymore. Colome gave up a two-run walk-off home run, and he is now 1-3. He has a 6.75 ERA, and he does not have a save since April 7th. So can we drop Alex Colome? For Rodgers, I would do that if, yeah. if, if, if I had to at this point. And I'm actually working on my latest bullpen report, a weekly column that I write, and uh, I show the pecking order for... For the for the closer situations, most in flux, and I'm moving Rogers ahead of Colome in the pecking order based on tonight. I mean, you could argue they used Rogers more like the closer tonight, having him pitch the ninth inning of a tie game, and he had the most recent save. And Colome keeps falling apart. I mean, maybe yeah. it's a situation where they'll keep going back and forth, but Colome has to get right before I think they turn to him in another save situation. And Rogers has been really good. When you know Hansel Robles, who would be, I think, the other uh, possible contender, has been pretty bad this season. Uh, you know, Rogers has a long track record of being a very good reliever, um, and they've trusted him in that role before. You know, he wasn't great last season, but it was like 15 innings. So, I think Taylor Rogers is a better pitcher than Alex Colomay. Yeah. For the Oakland A's, I mentioned it earlier, but Jake Diekman was used in the eighth to face the nine, one, and two. And then a few more batters after that. And then Lou Trevino was used in the ninth, and he picked up his third save. Over the weekend, Diekman picked up two saves for the Oakland A's, and now it was Trevino on Monday. So 
I don't really think that there is any rhyme or reason to this. It's it's probably just a full blown committee between just those those two guys. It helps that the Athletics never lose any games, so you're just kind of <laughs> happy with both Deakman and Trevino right now. But at some right. point, that's going to change. Hector Neris picked up his fourth save for Zach Wheeler's gem of a start. To stream or not to could, stream? Oh wait, could Go we ahead, give Chris? love to one reliever who sure. I don't think we've mentioned at all this season who has been absolutely awesome? Let's do it. Cesar Valdez got his mm. fifth save today. He has been exceptional. And also, he's incredibly fun to watch. I don't know if you guys have yeah, watched him, but he, he just throws this ridiculous changeup that, like, I don't even know if it's a changeup. It doesn't really move like a changeup. He it, throws, it's hard to call it a changeup when it's all he throws, right? Like, yeah, you yeah you're not up? changing. Up <laughs> uh, but he's been awesome. Uh, really good whiff rates with all his pitches, or while oh his my God. change up and fastball, which the fastball, I guess, is the changeup when he throws it. Comes screaming in at 86 miles per hour. Um, yeah, so I, I looked up a stat when I wrote about him on Waiver Wire a while back. Uh, let me see if I can find it. So it's it's not completely up to date because this was a little less than a week ago. But um, in thirty in his last 32, 30 and two thirds innings last season, spring training, and this season, 30 and two-thirds innings. Cesar Valdez has a 117 ERA, .78 whip, and 9.4 K per nine. So he's he's getting the job done. Shout out to the man, Cesar Valdez. To stream or not to stream, start with Tuesday. I will give you a few names. You give me your three favorite. Jake Junis at the Pirates. Tyler Anderson versus the Royals. Adrian Hauser versus the Marlins. Michael Waka versus the A's. Jose Quintana at the Rangers and Aaron Sanchez versus the Rockies. I guess I got to remember who I picked yesterday. I think I went Junis, then Tyler Anderson, then Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going with. I I, I think I had uh, Hauser, had Hauser maybe yeah. instead of Sanchez, but yeah, I think the Rockies are worse than Miami on offense. For Wednesday, Waskar Noah versus the Cubs, Ryan Weathers at the Diamondbacks, Mike Miner at the Pirates. Alex Wood versus the Rockies, Alex Cobb at the Rangers, and Domingo Herman at the Orioles. Some decent options. Yeah, those are. I, I actually, yeah, I like all three of the ones I'm going to pick here. Uh, I'm going to go. I think it's hard to pick my top choice. I, I'm going to go Herman at Baltimore, followed by Inoa against the Cubs and Wood against the Rockies, and I, I genuinely like all three of them. I, I mean, I, I like Alex Cobb, too, and I, I think Ryan Weathers and Mike Miner are both interesting. This actually isn't a bad group of streamers if you if yeah. you need one. I, I think yeah. there's there are things to like about ev- all six of those pitchers. I was going to say, Mike Miner at the Pirates is one of my favorites there, so they're all good. If they're available in your leagues, go out and get them for, in those daily formats. Some emails will wrap up here, some Apple Podcast review questions as well. This one's from Wes in the OC. Dear Steve, Sam, and Bucky. I didn't love Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it's the weakest Marvel like product in a long time. Like five yeah, years, I kinda, maybe. I kind of... I, I may finish it out, but I I, I kind of gave up on it after a couple episodes. I appreciate what it was going for. It was just a mess. I thought WandaVision was much better. I haven't watched either yet, but I do plan to at some point. 
12-team Dynasty Roto with OBP in, instead of average and innings instead of wins. I trade a $4 Zach Gallen, $5 Luis Robert, $5 Casey Mize, and $4 Trey Mancini. I get $1 Joe Musgrove, $2 Trent Grisham, and $5 Jared Kelnick. I don't see the point. Um... I think Gallon and Robert for Musgrove and Trent Grisham is kind of a wash. So it it's basically, would you rather have Casey Mize and Trey Mancini or Jared Kelnick? Well, it's not yeah. kind of a wash. I mean, Gallon we'd rank ahead of Musgrove, Robert we'd rank ahead of Grisham. Like yeah. I, I don't think in a twelve-team dynasty league, Mize or Mancini is that. I, I don't think they have a ton of value at all. Right. Yeah, I don't um, think five dollars especially is a uh, super valuable. So actually, yeah, I, I think it's good. How would you grade it? B. I don't know. It, it's it's pretty close to a C for me, which um, is a fair deal. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it it really comes down to how confident you are in Kelnick delivering right away, which I'm pretty confident in that. But that's kind of what you're you're putting you're give, you're giving up a lot trusting in that. I'll give it a C plus, a slight win on the Musgrove and Grisham side. This one's from Nikki B5. 10 team head to head points. Trade Julio, Arias, and Carlos Rodon for Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, I, I think that's in, in 10 team leagues, leagues that shallow, you got to consolidate pretty much anytime you can consolidate two great players into an elite one, it's, it's worth doing. From the Bomb Squad, 213, grade the trade. I send Fran Mil Reyes, Jesus Lozardo, and Tyler Rogers from the Giants and receive Gary Sanchez, Blake Snell, and Ryan McMahon. Mm, I think it's like a B, but I, it's it's mostly for Snell, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He is the best player in the deal. Yeah. And I, so that's why I think, think you come out ahead. I'll I'll say B. I think that's I think that's right on. Uh, yeah, B minus. I'll go with this one's from Amy Moke 92. Grade the trade 12 team head to head points. I flipped Mark Melanson for Kenta Maeda. Names like Hector Neris, Jordan Romano, and Daniel Bard are always sitting on the waiver wire. He is- doesn't really want us to grade this trade. <laughs> this is he's bragging, bragging. This is an A plus. Like, I think Melanson's awesome, but a points league, if you can turn a reliever into a you know, potential top 20 starting pitcher. That That's a no-brainer. Well, for anyone else who's listening, if you have a glut of relievers in a points league and you can turn them into anything, then go ahead and do it. This one's from Jack. We'll wrap up with this. In a head-to-head points league, would you trade away John Means for Ozzy Albies? My staff includes Brandon Woodruff, Hyunjin Ryu, Charlie Morton, Tyler Malley, Trevor Rogers, Yu Darvish, Clayton Kershaw, Sandy Alcantara, and Chris Paddock. <laughs> Yeah, John Means is at best your ninth best pitcher. <laughs> this is an A plus. You you mentioned before, Frank, that the top six second basemen had all been good so far. That the exception is Albies, who's been pretty terrible. But I don't I don't have any I haven't moved concerns him. about him bouncing back. I think he's fine. Yeah, I it, it'd be one thing if Means was like your number four starter and. Uh, it might be tough to rid yourself. It, it might be tough to create that opening in your pitching staff, even though, you know, player for player, it makes sense. But yeah, I think with this much pitching depth, it's an easy call. Update, TJ Antone is pitching the eighth. 
So, well, he might pitch the ninth. But it too. is, yeah, it's yeah, against I'm, Max Muncy to lead off the inning. So you know, yeah, I wonder if they, if Amir Garrett got through Corey Seager, would they have just left him out for the eighth and then brought Antone Probably. in for the ninth, or they could have used Antone in a two inning save if they wanted to in the eighth and the ninth. Oh well, we'll never know. For Scott and Chris, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.